Hey everyone, welcome to this edition of the e-commerce insights podcast. I'm your host, Scott DeGrossier, founder and CEO of Wicked Reports. Today's guest is a friend near and dear to my heart and also an accomplished marketer. So we got a lot to learn from her today. Alana Kay. Hello, Alana Kay. How are you today? <laughs> I'm super good, Scott. I'm really happy to be here with you. Thanks for inviting me on the podcast. Sure. And I saw your bio is quite impressive. You know, I didn't know, I knew you were a PhD, but the yoga doctor, that's a nice, nice slang to it. Thank and you. then, um, you know, I mean, you've bought, you've authored three books, which is yes. I mean, one book is an achievement, but three is kind of, it's pretty amazing. You know, Thank sacred you. sound myth of the asanas and yoga beyond the mat. I got some questions on that. I'm a, I'm an aspiring yogi myself. Got it. And then the Spiritual Leadership Institute yeah. and the Kaivala Yoga Method. Well, I guess that's your name. So I was like, ooh, where's that from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Kaivala Yoga Method, aptly named. <laughs> So I want to get, I get a ton of questions, but I really want to start with like, how did you go from an aspiring yoga teacher to entreport marketer of the year, which I know this is a while now and you've gone on past that plateau, but yeah. how you even got there? A lot of people, I, I'm curious myself. So that's why I'm asking. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I have been in the yoga industry, the field of yoga, doing the yoga thing for over 20 years at this point. And I started like most people in the yoga industry as a yoga teacher, uh, teaching classes all over the place. I'm originally from Colorado, so I used to teach in Denver a lot. Um, and uh, I had a very early love affair with the potential of bringing this work online or bringing it to a wider audience. So, and actually in 2005, I was the very first yoga teacher ever to have a podcast. So I've been podcasting since these super early days of podcasts. I love podcasts, which is one of the reasons why I'm super happy to be on yours. But that first podcast, I, uh, I had 2 million people listening to that podcast. And it was my first introduction to how the internet can level the playing field and create greater access to this thing that I was doing, which was teaching yoga. So adjacent to being the yoga teacher who ran around, taught in studios all over the place, I was trying to lean into whatever was available at the time to help bring my work online. There just wasn't a lot available at the time. Um, over the years, I became really niched and known for writing, developing, leading, managing yoga teacher training programs. And I did that for some of the largest yoga studio companies in this country, as well as abroad. Um, I have led yoga retreats and workshops all over the world. I've been a part of yoga conferences all over the world. And I've written my books. And I was doing all of that in person. Um, and a lot of things conflated, right? A lot of things happened to keep kicking me into the online space. Not only having this wide reach to people who are interested in the work that I did that was beyond just my geographical area, um, I was also struggling with uh, an autoimmune disorder that made me pretty ill. And it was very difficult uh, on the times that I was extremely ill to trade time for money. You know, I would be scheduled to teach a teacher training. I would have a lot of difficulty in my ability to get up and do that teacher training. But that was how I made my living. And so I had to. And it was actually quite a detriment to my health for many years. So some of these things um, just 
crash together, right? My, my illness, my desire to bring yoga to a wider audience, my passion and love for the craft and the industry, my interest in how um, the online space was growing and evolving. I first had the idea to bring my yoga teacher training program online in 2013. And the technology wasn't there yet. But in 2014, I was finally able to partner with someone who helped me get my yoga teacher training online. And amazingly, my 500-hour giant yoga teacher training program was the very first online course I ever launched. And I launched it in 2015. So again, way before it was cool. Mm -hmm. And since I launched that first yoga teacher training program, I've built many more uh, courses online that are focused in higher education for yoga teachers and spiritual leaders. So what my desire is with my business, with my platform, is to train exceptional and extraordinary yoga teachers uh, and then take those yoga teachers and make them even better at what they do to actually turn them into spiritual leaders by enhancing their education through other um, spiritual techniques or mystical techniques and also giving them uh, what in my world would be like a, a master's in business Uh, through my Upward Facing Business Academy, teaching them how to also bring their work online because there's so much power for us as yoga teachers and spiritual leaders in going online, in our ability to serve our students and our clients, in in our ability to to cut out the middleman, let's say, of a yoga studio, uh, get our work out to a wider audience and to truly make more impact in the world. So that's that's kind of the trajectory, Scott. That's how it worked out. That's that's pretty upward going. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we're still going up. That, that's the goal. So with, uh, like with one of your books, yoga beyond the mat, how do you yeah. use that? I mean, cause that is the, I mean, the yoga practice is to get your mind. Well, the physical part, at least the yeah. way I look at it is it's to prepare your mind for meditation or the real work. Right. Is kind of how yeah. I always looked at it, which I'm not the yoga doctor. I'm Scott. But <laughs> that's how I kind of always thought about it. So how does that like uh, affect and impact your like business decisions? Right. So, you know, I, um, I mean, I think like many people in the West, I definitely started my yoga journey with the physical practice with the asana. But very quickly, I was led to the different elements of yoga, which in my humble opinion, are actually more powerful than the physical practice. Um you know, fast forward many years of a lot of education and study and my PhD work. uh, And I've come to realize that yoga is less a physical practice and more of a psychology. It's a way in which we can actually change our mind, reframe our psyche, create deeper connection with all of the parts of ourselves. So yoga beyond the mat is actually born out of my PhD work. It is uh, effectively the layperson's version of my dissertation. And so in yoga beyond the mat, I present a very practical ways to bring the yoga psychology practices into your life in the day to day to really work yoga to its highest goal, which is this deep sense of uh, internal connection. Uh, it has nothing to do with your physical abilities. It has nothing to do with your flexibilities. It has to do really with your attitude and your integration of self. Um, so I give, I believe, 38 practical ways to do that in the book. I focus uh, a lot on the ideas of um, changing the day-to-day mind. So when we get locked into a downward spiral, how to pull out of that, how to really integrate yoga into your daily life, um, just the way that you behave with others, interact with others, think about yourself, talk to yourself, the way that you understand the signals of your body, what's happening. I talk a lot about the chakra system uh, in Yoga Beyond the Mat. 
and, and really try to make it a practical application for the modern Western person uh, as a way of, of daily living. And um, yeah, so that, that's my yoga beyond the mat. And really that integrates in the way that I, um, the way that I deliver my courses and my programming online. You know, I am an academic. Um, I am interested in accountability and testing. The way that I deliver my yoga teacher training program, all my programs is based off of what I've learned through my academic studies, which is you have to, you have to be tested. You have to actually make sure that you know this stuff. So it's very rigorous programming uh, and it's not focused on the physical. You know, I think that that's something that really sets me apart from other yoga teacher training programs or other yoga programs out there is I'm here to train and, and build spiritual leaders. You know, that's something that I realized through my dissertation and PhD work that is greatly missing in our modern Western culture, that we are we are desperate to have support uh, in our spiritual lives. We are desperate to have someone who can help us go through um, everyday human challenges. We, we want somebody to answer the bigger questions of what am I doing here? What is my purpose? How do I find my purpose? Those aren't questions that get answered in psychology alone. Those aren't questions that the medical community can answer, but those are questions that historically have been posed to spiritual leaders, to clergy members, but in a modern Western society where people in greater numbers are walking away from their initial religious practices, who do they go to those questions? Well, by default these days, they're going to their yoga teacher, but a yoga teacher with a basic 200 hour training program doesn't have the training to be you able those to extra 300 hours in the Kaivala method. Yeah, exactly. You get 500 in mind, but I would say that even then that's not enough. That to me, my 500 hour program, I treat it like the core curriculum in a college education program. So if you were to go through like a, a regular college education program, you have a core curriculum, you choose your major, and then maybe you move up to the MBA. Right. So in my world, my 500 hour program is like my core curriculum. The um, elements of my modern mystics academy help you choose your major. What's your focus? Is it astrology? Is it the chakras? Is it uh, the mythology? Is it the philosophy, the spirituality? Let's get you a deeper education in that. And then through my business academy, I teach you how to actually turn that into a career path so that you can make impact with your specialty, with the work that you do. Um, so that's how I've framed my online courses and, and I call it higher education for yoga and spirituality. That's what we're doing over here. I love it. You know, I have a little bit of chakra training. I know that. I love that about you. I know that the chakras, you have multiple sets of seven. You get one for each like body you have. You. And so lots of times you, what you'll find is a block in like your power chakra physical but then in your astral or emotional body, it might be in your heart area or perhaps in your yeah. buddhic area, it's your intuition. So people want to do like the trippy psychic stuff. You got to clear out the block in the right body you. based on what you're trying vehicle you're using that day. You know. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right, Scott. And the great news is, is that the communication between your emotional self, your physical self, your spiritual self is clear if you know the language. And that's one of the things that I talk about and teach about in Yoga Beyond the Mat and in many of my online courses is how do, how do we as individuals first read the language of the body, of the psyche, of the spirit, because it is there, right? Most of us have just shut ourselves off to it or shut it out, or we don't know what that communication looks like. And if we can read the language, we can easily address the things that are coming up within us that are presenting themselves as blocks 
to our to our forward movement, to our growth. Um, so the good news is it's easy, right? The other news is, is that you you have to learn it. You have to have your mind and eyes open to how to listen to those messages. So how do you market that message then? Because I mean, imagine yogurt teacher training is a competitive keyword. It is now. <laughs> so how did you, what's your, what was your process you went through to kind of cut through and be heard and ultimately convert? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, that's a, that's not a small question, my friend. You know? <laughs> There's no, Remember, that's was... my, that's my subtitle of the podcast. No small <laughs> questions here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I um, remember I was the first one here. So in 2015, the issues of, um, you know, marketing and converting were a lot different. In 2015, people didn't think that you could learn yoga online. People were still very convinced that in order to learn the practice of yoga, you had to be in a room with a teacher uh, in a physical space and that online learning was not something you could do for yoga, right? So in 2015, up until basically last year, 2020, my biggest marketing push and effort was around simply educating people that it is okay. You can absolutely learn yoga online. And in fact, as a veteran for over 15 years of writing and leading and guiding and directing yoga teachers in a studio, I was able to do it better online, right? Because in the studio programs, there was only a limited amount of people I could reach. I could not test everybody. I could not see everybody teach. But online, I can. Online, I can spend as much time as I need to with you as an individual to make sure you understand and learn everything we're teaching. And I can test you to make sure that you get it. I can see every test you do. And then we can pass you and move you through accordingly. It does a bigger service to the people going through the program than it did when I was teaching in studio, in studio training. So I went through all of those years of being frustrated of the limits of in-studio learning, moving it to online. And then I spent five years trying to convince people that, no, 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 online is totally possible. I mean, think of all the degree programs you can go through online. MIT has a degree program online. A lot of um, undergraduate medical school is online. Like literally everybody's online these days, certainly. We can train you to be a good yoga teacher online. So that was the majority of like the marketing and education push. Last year, everything changed when COVID shut all of the yoga studios down and the only place you could learn yoga was online. So suddenly I didn't have to convince people anymore because that was the only place to be. Um, so I've really done the work to set myself apart as, you know, we were the original online training. I have been doing this for 20 years. I do have a PhD. This is higher education. Yes, of course. Now, I mean, there weren't, there didn't used to be any competition in the space. Now there's a good amount of competition in the space, but yet still we were here first. We've been doing it as higher education. We're a rigorous, comprehensive program for people who are really interested in becoming the absolute best yoga teacher possible. If you just want, you know, some basic education, basic certification, basic information with not a lot of support, um, that's not the program that we have. You know, we have essentially what are like teaching assistants, mentors who work with students individually. Um, we highlight all of those points in our marketing and, and that really helps to set us apart. So you're doing a lot of differentiation. You're not having to sell them on. Here's why you should learn yoga online. You're like, hey, you're already looking to do yoga online. Great. Right. Here's why we're better. And so uh, d- yeah. walk me through that. So as the initial impressions they're going to get, 
Is it opt in to learn more or sample a course or like what's the what's the funnel like sort yeah. of when they're yeah. cold so, and then how do you warm them up to the I want the training? How does it? I mean, in my in my world, you know, again, I've been doing this now for six years. So I actually have every potential funnel out there possible. If you want a mini course, a short course, I've got one of those for you. If you want to download a brochure, we have one of those too. Um, But without a doubt, my most successful funnel is a webinar funnel where people get to sign up. They watch a video with me explaining the entire program, how it works, how the mentors work. I actually walk them through what the program looks like. I talk to them about the testing process and uh, yeah, the webinar funnel really for every course that I have for my astrology certification program, my tarot certification, my chakra certification program, my teacher training certification. It's all about the webinar for me. I'm definitely a webinar queen. Webinars selling yoga. Webinars yeah. can sell anything, can't they? <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, how do you? So you got. Do you have a staff that does the email copy? And then how do you make sure it stays like on brand with how you like to communicate? Because that's not always easy yeah. to scale. I have trouble I with that. I have a certain way I like to say stuff. And no, for sure. I'm not good at sure. passing it down. Well, you know, for better or for worse, Scott, over the many years of this business, I have written, and this is, I'm not underselling it here. I've written hundreds, hundreds of emails and dozens and dozens of landing page copy. You know, I am an author, I am a writer, um, which is very lucky for me in my business. So there, there is an incredible legacy for me um, of content and copy that we're able to pull and draw from. Most all of the emails that go out for any of my funnels or marketing are emails that I have actually written. Uh, I do have a copywriter on staff. If we need something slightly new and different, for the most part, she picks out something that I've already written and she tweaks it. So it doesn't have to come from scratch. And that does help me to preserve the message, the intention, the style. Uh, I'm I'm pretty lucky in that regard. Mm -hmm. So then for the ads that get people to this webinar, um, what platforms are working best and yeah. Which ones you thought were going to work and maybe didn't, or tell me about some of the ad buying strategy. Yeah, I mean, ads. I think as everybody who listened to your podcast knows, is it's a pretty moving target. Um, we started early with just Facebook ads. So Facebook initially was um, very responsible for uh, you know my trajectory in my business, and I think everybody knows with Facebook buying eventually that results in fatigue and it stops being quite as effective over time. Um, so a few years ago, I also moved over to Google Ads, and that's been really great. Um, Google Ads just keeps getting better and better. We're finding more ways to open up to people in Google Ads, and again, you know, the shift in attitude um, because of last year is people are now actually searching for online yoga teacher training. And if you got that market, then Google ads are excellent for you. Um, you know, prior to that, nobody was typing that into the search bar. So on Facebook, we just had to show them, hey, this is available. Do you want this? And then hope that we were showing it to the right people. Um, so it's quite a different strategy. You know, Facebook, you're trying to get people who are not necessarily looking for you, but who might have an interest in what you do to see you. On Google, luckily, they're actually looking for what it is that you offer. And now you just have to show it to them and and uh, convince them that you're you're the one that they want to click on, really. Um, so Facebook and Google is primarily uh, what we're working with these days. We've tried a little on Bing, but that didn't seem to 
really pan out. And and I've got some people chattering in my ear about TikTok at the moment, but I haven't quite gotten there yet. Tick puke is what I call it. <laughs> Only because <laughs> my daughter, my 11 year old wants to go out, so I call it tick puke. It's probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what was I, what I just, you just triggered something you said that. So Google, Facebook. So have you tried uh, Pinterest or do you do Amazon for your books or anything? Well, you know, what's interesting about Amazon. So I love Amazon um, and I would love any ideas that you have around this, honestly, or really any of your listeners, if they have anything on this. Um, I, I love Amazon. I do have a bunch of books on Amazon. So I am a published author. I am not a self-published author. As a published author, you know, for anybody who has had their books published, you know that like it's basically a glorified business card, right? It's actually really difficult to make money off of your own books. If I sold my own books on Amazon, I would be selling it for the publisher. (laughs) So it's pretty difficult to advertise on Amazon when you're not actually reaping the revenue for your products. Um, I do have a few free books on Amazon as well that I've written, but again, they're free. They're not necessarily revenue drivers. So advertising on Amazon is something I would really love to do and lean into. I just haven't figured out the best way to do that for me and my business model yet. Um, But I think that there's some great potential there in Amazon because Amazon essentially, go ahead. Do you have DVDs? No. Okay. I don't have any physical products in my world. I got to lean and do it. I feel like there's a lot of great potential there. I just haven't figured out what the, the avenue is for me. I've done a little bit on Pinterest. I just don't think that that's necessarily my market. You know, again, I, I'm not the, the skinny, bendy, stretchy yoga teacher and, you know, nothing against those who identify in that way. But my work is more philosophical, spiritually based. I'm a yoga professor. So, you know, on my images, I don't have me like bending and posing. It's it's more of like me lecturing or giving, you know, rich content. Um, so I don't know that Pinterest is necessarily, you know, my audience. So that didn't that didn't really pan out for me either. But Facebook and Google seem to be the primary ad platforms. And, you know, hopefully someday I'll figure out the Amazon piece. Well, you only need one channel cooking to have a thriving business. Like you had a podcast channel, then you, True. Had, then you had a Facebook channel and they have Google and the other ones come and you have email, obviously. Oh yeah. So definitely. it doesn't take all of them. It just takes the right, you know, I don't know, Scott, it, it might take a few, maybe not all, but you know, a few and probably a few working in concert, you know, yeah, but, I mean, you don't, uh, like, I can't, I doesn't matter really. Cause you've right. got some that is working that right. you can scale. So, True. so, um, as a professor, I don't know how you are as a professor of data, but what was like your biggest learnings from coming from the yoga world? I mean, obviously having a somewhat of a scientific background to get your PhD or to fit the rigor of testing, even the yoga people, how did that relate to your marketing data? What was something that like, you're like, probably like, Oh man, this is a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was like. So here's the thing. I very much, you know, being very focused in the yoga world and the yoga industry, I had the belief, especially when I launched my online teacher training in 2015, that, you know, if you build it, they will come. That is an incorrect belief. Yes. Instead, if you build it and market the F out of it, then they will come. Well, I didn't know <laughs> anything about marketing. I didn't know anything about online marketing. And so I had built something extraordinary and I didn't know how to sell it. And so it wasn't selling. And so I did a, I mean, it was like a nosedive into the online marketing world. Um, to figure out, okay, I've built this thing. I know it's extraordinary. I know it's going to make impact in the lives of people who go through the program. How do I get it to them? How do I actually sell it? So that that was when my first 
foray into marketing, online marketing happened was in late 2015, all the way through 2016. That's when I learned about webinars. That's when I learned about, um, I mean, really, you know, it's, it was a lot. I, I, I joke, honestly, that I got the wrong PhD. I shouldn't have gotten a PhD <laughs> in, you know, yoga and mythology. I should have gotten a PhD in, in marketing and sales. Um, cause I had to really learn all of that stuff from scratch. And it, it was, uh, it was beastly. It was, but I did learn fairly quickly, especially when I started to do more paid advertising that, um, you know, I wasn't able to see from start to finish what the user journey was or what people actually were doing. You know, every individual application I was using had its own data and metrics, but none of them spoke to each other. And that's why, Scott, it was essentially love at first sight when I found you because <laughs> suddenly I had all of the answers as to what the user was doing from start to finish. And, uh, you know, that's where you can make really great decisions is, is when you know what's actually happening from start to finish, where in that user journey or that pathway the funnel might be broken and how to tweak it. Otherwise, how, how, do, you, how do you know? I was chasing my tail and, and a, a lot of circles to try and get that information before I got Wicked hooked up. And, you know, we all know Facebook lies. So uh, trying to search their data for what to do and how to make good decisions was like an impossibility. People get really sad when they see the fact that Facebook measurement doesn't add up to Wicked. And I'm like, why would you pay us? You know, our prices have gone up since you get in there. You know, people start at like, you know, the average price is right around like a, a grant. Yeah. So they're like, I was like, why would you pay us that? And want us to just give you a pie chart of what Facebook tells you. Right. The point is we have different data. Yeah. And it's, and it's focused to give you an edge on the people that are using only ad manager data. Yeah. So it's always, but then the, the, it's almost like stages of grief. <laughs> 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 but I want this like juicy, that. rosy picture to match. And I'm like, okay, it can match. Just which channel do you want us to, that we gave credit somewhere else? Do you want right. us not to count email? No, no, no. Email counts. Do you want us to count SMS? No, no. SMS count. Well, right. something has to give if we're going to give the credit to Facebook only. So it's interesting. Well, you know, it's, board, it's also a happy. trust building process too, Scott, right? Like we, I think we get into it thinking like, oh gosh, you know, we're spending so much money on this channel. Whatever they tell us should be true. It's just not the case. You know what I mean? The, these, these platforms love themselves, right? Facebook loves Facebook. It wants everything to start, start in Facebook, end in Facebook. It's only going to look at what's happening on Facebook. It doesn't care about the rest of your world. And I think most internet marketers understand, like, we, we don't, we don't, I wish it, I wish it were so that I could have just one app that did everything. It'd be great, right? But that's not so. I have to patchwork a bunch of different things to make my business work. And the only way to track any of that data is to have one program that looks at all of those things. Facebook doesn't do that. You know, Google doesn't even do that. So yeah, it's it's folly to think that these channels that love themselves are going to give you accurate information. They they just don't. No, so, they aren't uh, built to do that. Nor is it their fault. Like, why is Facebook going to say, "Hey, thanks for spending money here. Go spend it with Google." <laughs> In Google, the same way, they don't say, "Hey, you know what? Better stop spending." With true. Us. True. They're just and, not going to, and they shouldn't be on the hook to do that anyway. As long as they're not true. outright lying, they shouldn't be worried about what the other you know, trying to be an attribution system. That's not what they are. They're an ad, they're a traffic buying system. That's what they are. Right, exactly. That's my two cents on that topic. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> that's having more like five cents. But that's yes, just me. five yeah. cents. Thank you. That's I like feel more, val 
my power chakra is puffing out now. <laughs> I can feel it. I can feel it over here. Yeah. Um, I still want to ask a bunch of questions on your yoga books. I'm like, we got to stick on topic. <laughs> you can ask whatever you want. It's your well, podcast. Well, the, 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 the sacred sound, like, um, you know, I was into mantras for a while and oming. I kind of got away from the oming. And then I saw you, I mean, as soon as I read you, you they had that book. I was like, damn, I, I got to get back into it. What, um, what's your recommendation for like a, your sacred sound practice? Is that just a couple minutes ohms to start the day? What's it? What's a light, light way to get going with it? I actually like the ohm. I really do. It's simple. It's easy. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty basic. You know, I think people feel comfortable doing it. I mean, look, my feeling about any kind of spiritual practice is any, any bit of it is going to help, right? So if you have 30 seconds, do it for 30 seconds. If you've got two minutes, do it for two minutes. Um, a lot of people tend to be uncomfortable with using their voice. Uh, you know, so don't think of it as singing. It's just basically saying a vowel for a longer period of time on an exhale. Um, but oming can be very centering for, for us, you know, at, at any given point. You can even do it silently. You know, you can even do it silently as a, a meditative mantra inside the mind. Um, om is a simple universal sound. The actual root of the word, it's a Sanskrit word. Uh, is at the root of many of our favorite prayerful words like Amen or Shalom. So you're, you're drawing upon a much more universal kind of basic connected energy when you work with the sound Om. Uh, and that is outlined in my book, Sacred Sound. That is one of the 21 mantras that I go through in Sacred Sound and share with people as a means to develop a, a more deep connection to sound and mantra practice, which is very um, beneficial for the mind, for lowering stress. Uh, and it's an easy practice that literally anybody can do. You know, it's not based off of your physical abilities or uh, anything like that. You don't even have to have a good voice. It's just about putting these energies, um, you know, into you and around you and, and helping them keep your mind on track and, and elevated. Yeah, I feel like uh, the vibration, the vibration in my throat helps deepen a meditation. Yes, but it also is like how when a different, if you follow a good process, pre-meditation, it leads to a better meditative practice. Well, you know, the other hack here is that when you're doing mantra, you're also effectively doing breath work, and the breath. Here, we're going to get a little heady here for a minute. The breath is the sure. first autonomic function that we can control as humans, right? You can't control your heartbeat. You can't control your body temperature, but you can control your breath, right? Your breath happens automatically, but if you were to sit and bring consciousness to it, you can control the rhythm of the breath. Mantra helps you do that by default. If you extend the exhalation by chanting OM, let's say, and you do that for two minutes, you're not only changing the pattern of your breath, but you are actually reducing your stress levels, getting yourself uh, into the parasympathetic nervous system. You're going to be a lot more relaxed. You're going to reset some of these, you know, panic buttons that we have on all day long. It's kind of a nice side effect of just chanting home. And yes, of course, because you're um, manipulating the breath in that way, you are setting yourself up for a more conscious, present meditation practice. Yes, that would have been what I meant. 
when I said it. Are <laughs> you just meditating right now? By the way, you had this look on your face. It was like, all right, a minute. I was more conscious of I was taking deeper breaths, and I was like, <laughs> ah, <"Aha>, see, <laughs> <laughs> that was my Jedi mind trick for you. It was. It was like you were just hypnotizing me with. I was. That, that was the other I was thing. Like, Jeez, I'm not order. doing it right. Yeah, little did little did you know. Yes. Well, I was also thinking about holding your breath. Like I'm doing, I've been sticking with the Wim Hof method now. It's been six weeks, six weeks, maybe six weeks and uh, oh, wow. seven weeks. So now I can hold my breath like two and a half minutes. Oh my gosh. Getting there. That's intense. That'll definitely change your brain. Yeah. It, uh, it, it, and I did, I haven't done it today. Cause I, you know, I got it. I was telling you before I got in at 2 AM from Napa. So yeah, what was me? I didn't get to do my breathing exercises yet. Yeah. Well, there, you know, <laughs> there might be a wash too much coffee today just to, you know, get, to I don't think there is such a thing as too much coffee. Yeah. I got an espresso. So now I'm like three. Those are, it's like amazing. Espresso. Yeah. No, it's just my bucket of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good amount. It is right. <laughs> so if you say you have a couple of coffees, that's a couple of those guys. That's, yeah. that's impressive. Hey, you know, whatever gets you through. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm into it. So how, how, uh, we, you start marketing, uh, like how much did you have to work? Like how much testing and iteration went into, Hey, now I have a business that is very successful by your, whatever your standards are like, yeah. How much, like you get your PhD in marketing. I mean, that's because that's a lot of iterations. Like how many, and then looking back, would you yeah. have done it any differently or what would your advice be for people that are in the, in the same spot? Well, I mean, the good news is that I do have hindsight on my side and all of the things that I would have done better or differently from the start, I've actually put into my business academy training. Like I did that because those are all of the things I wish somebody had told me at the beginning, you know, please just do it this way. Please just set your timers to this, you know, length. Please send this many emails. Um, because I did have to, you know, you bang into a lot of walls when you're doing something for the first time. And unfortunately, because I was really the first kid on the block in this arena, it's not like I had a lot of people around me saying, oh, this is successful. This is successful. This is successful. Um, you know, I really had to figure a lot of it out for myself. And it, I would say it took me a good solid year to a year and a half to figure out like all of the right little pieces, um, specifically, first of all, that webinars were the thing, you know, and second of all, how long is the webinar? How often do you offer the webinar? How many emails do you follow up the webinar with? How long is your webinar offer? What is your webinar offer? Literally every one of those things had to go through multiple iterations. And then what programs do you use to deliver that? Um, it was a hot mess is the short version. Uh, and it, it does take a lot of iterations. I don't know that for me, there would have been any way to speed it up just because I was discovering it for myself. But um, yeah, I mean, in all of the teachings that I offer, I'm hopefully giving people a leg up. And directing them into like a very successful, more immediate pathway to get things up and running and, and to create success for them. Cool. Um, any any parting wisdom, marketing or spiritual you'd like to bestow as the yoga doctor on us <laughs> with, a, with a minor in marketing, minor I, PhD? Yeah, it's like a life major in marketing. Um, <laughs> any parting wisdom? I mean, I think our, our good connection here on OM and breathing is some good parting wisdom. Like, you know, those, those listening to this podcast, I'm going to hopefully safely assume 
that you are probably an internet marketer of some sort. And whether or not you are a spiritual and or yoga practitioner, um, breathing is helpful. I know that this business can be stressful. Um, it is not all sparkles, rainbows, and butterflies. There's a lot of banging one's head against the wall. And if, if I've learned anything, I've learned that my business, for better or worse, is an absolute direct reflection of me as a human being. If I am in a stressful, cramped, uh, negative headspace, so is my business. If I am in an abundant, elevated, open-minded, um, friendly headspace, so is my business. I think that that is probably true across the board. And Scott, you can agree or disagree with me. So whoever's listening right now, if you are frustrated with your business, your personal work is to find more space and openness. If you are you know, angry at your business, your personal work is to let that anger go and find where you can be grateful for it because that's only going to help, right? That's only going to help. And yes, you have to have the right tech. And yes, you have to have the right marketing and all that's going to, but that is not going to change the bar unless you yourself are open and willing and ready for the business to just thrive and kick ass. So um, I have lots of tips and tricks on, on how to do that, how to change your mind in my book, Yoga Beyond the Map. Um, but the, the basic simple one would be to, to breathe, to control your breath, to own, to find something that really keeps you connected and tapped into why you started your business in the first place. If you're an internet marketer, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a solopreneur, whatever you do, you're doing it because you love it, because you believe in it. Stay connected to that. Uh, and, uh, you know, good things are, are coming in your future. Maybe not as fast as you'd like them to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they, they will be, they will be more apt to come your way than, uh, than if you're not in that good space. So that yeah. would probably be my parting wisdom for you and your listeners today, Scott. I love it. I feel more wise and more educated. So whatever I can do for you, you know that. Thanks so much for your time, Alana Kay. Take it easy. Absolutely. Thank you, Scott.